Scoreline Extra, the podcast that tries to condense some of the interviews and some of the best bits that we have on our flagship sports show at the weekends here on KCLR from 2 to 6, Scoreline. On this episode, we'll hear from Owen Larkin on his new inter-county role with Wicklow. Former Aston Villa player and Kilkenny's own Mikey Drennan joins us to discuss the underage setup in football with the Republic of Ireland. Kilkenny's new intermediate camogie captain Roisin Phelan joins us to discuss the upcoming season. But first, we are joined by the newly appointed Camogie Association president, Hilda Breslin. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a huge honour, and um, to be very fair, you're right, it's a huge achievement um, to be the 31st president of Camogie, so I'm thrilled for that. Um, lots of things, I suppose, the, the immediate thing I'm hoping that we get is that we get our teams back on the pitches, and it's brilliant that we're heading into a week where we're going to see our clubs back in the 26 counties and our inter-county, um, and I think that's that's a huge achievement for us. It's been difficult. It'll be challenging to do that and do it successfully. But that's the short-term aim that we do that. And I suppose long-term, I think um, certainly for me, one of the main priorities is that we look at the fixture schedule and that we do that in um, in, a, in a coherent way that we look at what we have and what we really want and we try to give some sort of a, an even spread and an equity of playing to everybody, including the clubs and all the different ages and the inter-county. So that's, that's a big aim for me. And the other thing is, I suppose, um, we speak all the time about being fair and equity in sport, but we've got to be equity to all of our people, and we've got to provide an opportunity for all of our players to play, um, and that includes our teenagers. So I think we can never underestimate the role of sport with teenagers and teenage retention, and that's something I'm very passionate about, is getting girls playing and being part of the clubs and keeping them there into the next generation um, so they've got an attachment to their club and an attachment to sport. So they're, they're the kind of initial aims, I suppose, in fairness. Uh, just dealing with the league, say, um, which is starting on May 15th, because uh, you briefly mentioned it there, it, it'll take up to six weekends out of the calendar year between, say, three group games and the knockout stages. Um, considering the time that we're living in, and we know that there's already been date set and then been pushed back again we're looking at January probably as the biggest example of that do you feel that um, the association has maybe mitigated for the fact that there could be further restrictions to come for the government or are you simply working under the precedent that the entire summer is going to run smoothly because I imagine it's going to be a very hard thing to 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 go by yeah um, well, I suppose at the moment what we've been told is that we can get our inter-county leagues out. And that, that realistically, is all we've been told. So we're working, I suppose, in a, in a gap of knowledge like everybody else is working in the country at the moment. So we've taken a view that we've been given that if everything runs smoothly, we will get our leagues out. We're running them over six weeks, which is literally every weekend. Um, and time is of the essence here now, I suppose. And we've given a minimum four weeks back training we go straight into the league and then we have a league final on the 20th of June um, and that's that's what we've been committed to by the government all going according to plan I mean what we would hope that within the next short period is that as the roadmap opens up and the public health restrictions open up that the government will come back with a, a more detailed plan for us 
But I think to be very fair to everybody, um, let's get this right now and let's get the league and let's get out with the underage and the inter-county league. We know we can do that successfully. We did it successfully last year. And I think we're entering it maybe this year with a lot more optimism maybe than we did last year. The vaccines are on the way. So I suppose we're confident that the next, that we will remain out after the league but the commitment is that we'll have league finals on the 20th of June and I don't see as long as we all do play our part that we won't get there and I certainly think we will get there and further. Well, it's certainly it's a, it's a very difficult thing to, I'd imagine, to be able to come into. We were speaking to Des Kavanagh, the IRFU president there last week. He's coming into that role. Um, we're even from a Carlo perspective. We have Jim Bulger, and he's coming into a role in a completely different landscape as opposed to what other presidents may have come into. And it it must be incredibly difficult. Um, one of the updates that came out earlier this week has been the restriction of players playing for both their club and county at the same time during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we. Was that obviously a conscious decision? With, with that, that's not a restriction chain, and okay. I think that's probably being misinterpreted. What we have asked at the moment in the twenty-six counties, you're permitted to play underage, non-contact in pods of fifteen, and you're also permitted to play at least inter-county, and that is full contact training. And um, we, the Camogie Association, are in a unique position, and um, compared to some GAA, is that we have um, over seventeen-year-olds on inter-county panels. So we're looking at the moment where arguably you could have um, an underage player training with their club non-contact, but also being allowed to play full contact in an inter-county session. Uh, So what we're saying is for the very short time where we're trying to get back out on the pitch. There is no club competition at the moment and there is no underage competition. So we're only asking it for a window where people would say, The opportunity is to get back out on the pitch. We don't want where you're playing club underage and then you're going into an inter-county session and you're you're arguably maybe widening the sphere of your contacts. What we're saying is for a very short period of time, keep your contacts, train with one team. And if you're a part of a league panel and that's what you're going to be, then you can opt at the moment to train with the inter-county team full contact. Or if you're maybe doing leave insert or you're doing other things, you can opt to play non-contact in your underage setting. So at the moment, we don't have adult club and we don't have adult inter-county. It's a teeny bit different in the six counties where they do have club and county. But at the moment, they don't have competition in clubs. So, so we're really taking a very practical view is to limit your contacts Let's try and get this right, because if we get it right from the get-go, then what will happen is the whole season will hopefully run smoothly. It is by no means asking people to choose between club and county. That is absolutely not what has been suggested. What has been asked is for the moment that you train with one group and you confine yourself to training either with your inter-county group or if you're in the 26 counties with your underage club, one or other. So being very proactive about the decision as well. So it makes sense. Um, recently, you've launched the, the Player Pathway Initiative alongside the GEA and the LGFA. Could you explain to us uh, and our listeners exactly what that is? Yeah, so we've, we've looked at this, I suppose. We, the three associations would have had Player Pathway previously and Camogie had a Player Pathway. And it, it makes perfect sense that the Player Pathways for the three associations would join together in some ways because there's 
huge crossovers between the three associations. Mm. But what's now being launched is a one pathway, um, really for clubs. So it, it signals where the different stages a player should be going through. And they're largely similar and they're joined resources and a huge amount of effort has gone into that in terms of different um, expertise. And it's about giving a, a roadmap for a player from the time where they first start with whatever code or both codes in a club all the way up to their, you know, the very end, maybe as an administrator or a different ways in a club. And it's about providing options for them and showing that club is much more than just playing as a player. Club is about a whole life. And, you know, within the Gaelic Games family, we would always say that it's it's not just what you're doing now in your club. It's what you're doing in 10 years' time or 20 years' time. And it's, it's about providing a life for your whole map out in your club. Um, and I suppose it's great that it's been done as the three associations together so that we can harness the, the crossovers between the associations because there's just so many. Um, and it, it's about sharing those resources. Um, and that ties into the return to play. We've also shared the return to play. Um, and at the moment, there is a number of ongoing initiatives regarding return to play. So they've also been shared between the three associations. And it makes perfect sense that we would be um, these things as a family together. And say from your time now as a president, would that be something that you'd be interested in in developing basically more cooperation between the different Gaelic Games associations? We know that, say, even Galway player Siobhan McGrath said that she'd like to see even the Gaelic game bodies come together and that's the GPA, the WGPA kind of amalgamated at the end. Uh, do, do you see this happening or would you be in favour of it happening in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've all, we all accept and everybody accepts that if we were being founded today, we would be founded as the one association. And it makes perfect sense um, in many ways. Um, and, you know, we're 120 years old very shortly. We've a long tradition. But that, throughout that tradition, it's always been in cooperation with the GAA and as part of the Gaelic Games family. And I think that strengthens, strengthens us. Um, and I definitely think going forward that the alliance and the family needs to be strengthened. And, you know, a family that's united is far more and greater a strength than one that's divided. So I think absolutely it, it, it makes it the logical conclusion of where we should be. Um, and it certainly is the aim that we would look to strengthen the alliances between us. Um, and if that's one association, when we sit down and we look at it, then that's where it should be. There's, there should be no difference between anybody, whether they be male or female, and the opportunities that they they gain in the Gaelic Games family should be no difference. But anything that we do has to be fair to everybody. And I suppose that's, that's what we've got to be very clear, that we do this in a fair and transparent manner, and that what we're providing is an equity of opportunity for all of our members, be they male or female, because... I don't think any of us differentiate within our own families. So I don't understand why we differentiate when we come to our clubs or we come to the Gaelic Games family. It, it makes perfect sense to me that that's the roadmap that we would be looking at. And, and speaking of, say, a, a quality, a Dublin player Ali Toomey and a, our, our own Kilkenny player Denise Gall has uh, had headlines recently where they've highlighted maybe a gender imbalance between playing camogie and hurling and the costs associated sometimes with playing camogie. Um, is, is that something that you'd be looking to tackle during your tenure as president? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I spoke at it at Congress, and the funding model does not stack up. It is not for the modern generation. The funding models we have are screwed uh, towards the male player, and, you know, they, they are supported four times uh, greater than the female player. And that's acknowledged, and we know that. And it, that, that is not a fair situation. Um, our players don't get direct funding. We have a government grant between the ladies, football and ourselves, which works out about 700,000 a year. I mean, that, that is very small compared to some other organisations. And I suppose if we're going to be realistic and we are saying that women's sport is important and it's equally as important as male sport, then we've got to support it and we support it by the government and the taxpayers' money equally. I mean, we all pay taxes equally, so we should be supporting sport equally. It shouldn't be based on a gender and um, what you receive in terms of government funding um, and support. So I absolutely agree in that sense. Um, our female players are not supported and our female associations by government funding to the same level that they should be. And I think that's something that we've got to address in the short term. Considering the year of 2020 was meant to be the year championing females in sports and obviously then curtailed by, by the pandemic, would, would you like to see another push for, for something, the same type of campaign in the, in the next year or in, in the next following years, considering how severely curtailed it would have been due to the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think 2020 did an awful lot of good and it highlighted... Um, issues and concerns that, you know, we in the Camogie Association probably had been speaking about for a number of years, um, and we have been doing that, and I suppose 2020 brought it to the fore, but I mean, there is no point in us just speaking about it unless we're going to do something about it, so the narrative has to move on, and it has to really move into action, and to actually look at initiatives that are going to be done, and we can't just keep highlighting the problem, because then there's no end result in it. And I suppose what I'm asking now is what's the follow-on from 2020? So instead of it just being um, targets that maybe we say are minimal, we've got to aim higher and we've got to, in some ways, we've got to demand more from our government, from our media and from our sponsors. And we've got to be very vocal in that as a female sport because if we don't demand it for our female members, then nobody else is going to do it for us. And I suppose what 2020 did was it highlighted many of our brilliant sports women and um, that we already knew were out there, but maybe the wider public weren't aware of them. And, you know, we look at horse racing and we see Rachel Blackmore and things like that. I mean, these are, these are brilliant stories, but they can't just be one-off stories. They've got to be consistent and it's got to be across at all levels of sports. Um, and I suppose that's my question is we've got to move on from 2020. It can't just be about the optics. It's got to be about, you know, gains on the ground for women in sport. Yes, yeah, so even when you consider that the Irish hockey team, just the, the, the amazing run that they had, and now the, the word has kind of gone down on them in, in recent times and until hopefully a, an inevitable Olympics uh, run. But uh, it, yeah, it's a very interesting thing to, to discuss Hilda, and thank you so much for taking your time out of your day to talk to us on a Sunday I don't know where you are in Ireland but hopefully it's nicer than it is here in Kilkenny it's in Kildare so it's probably quite simpler <laughs> <laughs> an overcast day well, thanks for an overcast Thanks for shining some light on uh, some of your new tenure as president of the Camogie Association. I'll let you back and enjoy your Sunday. Thank you ever so much.
that was Hilda Breslin, the newly appointed Camogie Association president. Next up, we're going to switch our attention to soccer as Mikey Drennan joins us. The former Aston Villa player was captain with Ireland at every underage level and here he is giving us an insight as to what it was like. Mikey, how are you, how are you keeping anyway? Um, there's a lot of sport and action still happening, lots of soccer going on. I know that you've switched your attention to hurling, but are you keeping up to date with the electricity league that's going on? Former sides, Sligo, Pats and, and Shamrock Rovers? Yeah, yeah. I'd always kind of keep it kind of one eye on the, on the league, like just seeing how it's, how it's going and always seeing how your former team are going. And I suppose the treatment have had, have had a good start to the, um, to the league campaign and Especially with Sligo and Finnish, and surprised at the start they had now, and after building up a nice squad there as well, and they're in Europe this year, so um, it'll be interesting times up there. And so I'm going to see how to go for for the year. And you have some of those in Europe as well, and champions and uh, from last year, and um, and then they they didn't have a great year last year, but um, they started off well this year, so it'll be interesting to see that as well. They certainly will. I know that they're playing later on today from 6 o'clock, so we'll keep it up today. Uh, on, on that tomorrow, we'll probably have a proper discussion in here. But, uh, Mikey, the, the, the reason why we wanted to kind of talk to yourself today, um, not that we don't always want to talk to you, but is, is the sentiment around the Republic of Ireland national team lately, right? Me and Robbie have had arguments in here about uh, I've Eddie Scally has been given out about the about uh, Stephen Kenny being in charge, and then a lot of attention kind of has switched to say Irishing football setup and the whole setup. And from someone that has been capped, it's been pretty much at every underage level. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, well. Started at fourteen, going up to twenty-one. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, for someone that was deeply ingrained in in that culture, like, is there a cause? Is, is the negativity around it? Is that just? Is there? Is is there? Like, because you obviously you're meeting per- people on a personal level, and you know that there is people that are striving to make it better. But from an overall perspective, like, is there reason to be negative about? Um. I well, I suppose there's there is negatives to it, but I suppose recently with the um, I know they're trying to change everything with with the underage and which which is great, like but um, but like they're, they're what twenty thirty years behind nearly every every country, like it's um as you can see with the senior team now, like they're like they're just they're, they're just not good enough, like from players you've from players like Bobby Keane, Danny and Duff, all those players that were playing top top level like and you have you have players there that just the championship and and kind of the lower league lower end of of the premiership like and it's so it's not kind of obviously where you want to where your country wants to be and um but there's just so with the underage it's just um i remember at the time when i was there there was um a dutch lad uh he was overall the underage like he was kind of how to he was basically telling each manager what tact what tactics to use and what way what type of football they want to play and at the time they wanted to play four three three and play out from the back and all this kind of fancy football and like it it worked but then when it came to the when it came to the big games when you're playing like the likes of Germany Spain Italy we we didn't really try to play out from the back it was just up long second balls. Because like, you're playing against players that are technically more dark than you. But um, 
it was against the lesser teams where you tried to play out and all that, but it was just, when you got against the bigger teams, it was just gone out the window. So there was no real consistency there. But when you're saying, like, that we're maybe 20, 30 years behind everybody else, like, oh, oh, why did you feel that way? Because you mentioned when you're coming up against the big teams, they're technically better. But why is that the case? Is it because we're competing with a vast array of different sports? You know, Germany doesn't have GEA and doesn't really have any rugby going on, certainly to the level that we have those sports here. So, like, is it the competition between sports here that maybe is, not saying it's having a negative impact because it has positive impacts in different sports, but would that be a reasoning behind it? Like we see with Munster uh, in the rugby that some people have kind of said that the ascension of the Limerick Hurling team has maybe had a profound effect on the, the Munster team. So would different sports have that? Or why do you feel that they're 20, 30 years behind? Um, no, I think I think it's just from from your clubs. Like they're, obviously you have over in, over in England, you have all the academies basically everywhere, like around all the, all the, top, the top countries. And even the smaller countries, they have it that, they have like an, an academy that where you're in and they're properly coached. Like they have all the coaches are UFA licensed or, or pro licensed, and uh, so basically from when they're seven, all the way up, they're getting proper training. Like when you're when you're here, like you're not. Re- I think it's changing now, but I think maybe probably when I was there, that that wasn't really the case. Like it was just basically all the underages. Like you were just like with your clubs. Um, yeah. like you're well like you're well behind that like you're just basically going there just to turn up for an hour that was it there wasn't really anything technical about trying to make you trying to make you better and that's where I think we're falling behind like massively like I know obviously they're trying to change it now I know Shaman Roberts have a good academy set up and other teams are trying to do it as well but it's obviously it's that now but it's, we're, we're well well behind and that's why like, the, the players aren't like they're probably not being produced at the top level as as maybe that they were like like where you had Robbie Keane obviously that was yeah you, you have some that are good but you have a lot of players that are just not up to the international standard really and um, it's just it's just taken way too long and it's a shame like that it has taken this long for it to for it to happen to to get all this um, get proper training and like. You will. I. I think you will see the benefits of it in another ten years, with the players that are coming up getting the proper coaching, and they won't have to work in that sixteen, because they're they'll stay here in their academy, and because they'll have a better chance of breaking into the first team here. Um, like if you're seventeen, eighteen, then if you're good enough, then at nineteen, twenty, or whatever, um, you can go over to England. You'd be on more money then, and you'd be more mature as well, because you'd be, you would have to play in first team football against men here and then before if um want to go over and play play in there. If you you may want to stay here obviously with the investment of the money that they're getting. Um we're hoping that'll that'll have a um a good effect on, on the league and especially with the talks of the, the All Ireland League again. Um, that that can only that can only bring um more money to, to clubs and obviously be more like beneficial for, for players because some players are starting to come over here. And um, you see, like Dundalk after signing, signing a few foreign players as well, and so um, it's interesting times. Yeah, well, like even that you you, you mentioned, say the money coming in, uh, and that we're going to reap the benefits in the next ten years. Just looking at some of the clubs in Carlow, Kilkenny, um, 
the, the likes of Collation getting their uh, FAI club mark, Evergreen getting their FAI club mark, and the likes of Thomastown and Freebooters and Hanover Harps and all these different teams, they're really investing in their club, um, which can only have benefits for, for junior football and then, in turn, having a good, strong junior team is going to invite people to come training at a, a, at a younger age and having the FAI club mark there will hopefully better coaching and more accessibility to coaching so hopefully we'll reap the benefits from there but it's interesting that you said maybe people not going over to England at such a young age uh, with the advent of Brexit you're probably not going to see lads going over until at least 18 now I think it is um, you might see him going to different parts of the world we see it with the likes of Jaden Sancho from England going over to Germany and excelling over there and learning a different style of football you yourself went over at a very very young age at the age of 16 and it can be quite daunting, I'd imagine, you know, being slap bang in the mid- middle of Birmingham at the age of 16 in a, a completely different country. Um, do, you, do you feel that, say, with Brexit coming on and lads being 18 now and they can't go over to it, would, would that benefit you at the time? And do you feel that it's going to benefit Irish soccer in the sense that it's going to make people stay here? Or could you possibly see the lads going over to the likes of Belgium or the likes of Germany? And we've seen Louise Quinn go over to Fiorentina there recently and just kind of expanding their horizons because not a lot of uh, Irish people manage to forge a career outside of England. Yeah, that's that's very true. Like, I, I, I think, like, especially when you're staying here, I think when you're, you know, obviously with the Brexit thing you said there with 18, that you're, like, two years is, is a long time they can to, for you to mature and to basically kind of to be a man and and you're going and you're going over them thing and you're like you, as I said like your football will, like will speak for itself but the outside of that's the most important is looking after yourself and because you're that bit older you you, you you could have your license you can you can go around if you want if you if you want to go for uh, something you can go for something because you're that bit older and you're more mature rather than say sixteen or going over and like they're expecting it to be like a man and all that, but they don't treat you like that when you're over there. It's um it's it's not really great for say for, for like like some people go over and they love it, some people don't. Um but I, I think with, with this whole Brexit thing I think it'll benefit I think it'll benefit the players more here, especially with the coaching now that's going on. And it is then, so as you said, like whatever cream out there is after it's getting approved there for a second national pitch, which is fantastic. And then, because if you have players that are around there that are good enough, then you can go up to your Shamrock Rovers or your Pats or Bowers or wherever you want to to go at, at an underage. And that's it's obviously better coaching there. So I think, and then as you say you had the likes of Jack Byrne when he went over to uh, Holland, like. He was he went over there and he excelled there and he was he was fantastic had a good, had a good year there and you can see him now like he's after going over to to uh, Cyprus, Cyprus there and yeah. he's he's doing well again and obviously he's out injured now at the minute but he's he started off well and he, like it, it can happen that's what I mean like with the right with the good coaching and because he was up in Dublin um for his whole obviously all his underage and and that and, uh, so look, it, it does have benefits as well so um, I'm hoping now that that, um, more more money's pumped into underage and you'll see the benefits then and and hopefully five to ten years time like when all the 12, 13 olds are getting proper proper training and uh, we'll see them on international level then hopefully
Yeah, and they, uh, not always looking across the pond for lads like, you know, Patrick Bamford. Uh, people are still calling for him to come, even though he's, he hasn't really shown any interest. He was capped at an underage level. Uh, Jack Grealish, someone that you would know well from your Aston Villa days and playing with him uh, with Ireland and uh, the likes of Declan Rice, you know, people uh, wanting these guys to come over and help the Irish football team after being capped at different levels. But it's, it's almost like a blessing in disguise that they didn't, in a sense, that it's going to force homegrown talent more so than uh, people that have you know learned their played their trade over in England and they're kind of only using Ireland as a as a backdoor route to get into international football yeah that's that's true obviously with the situation we obviously I know Jack very well and um, look, look if you if you had the decision like yourself I know look just say if I was if I had a a, a grandma or something that was born in that was born in England and I was captain underage, but I was I, I'd want to play for Ireland. But I like for him, like he's from England. He's all that's so I know he used it as a backdoor. He, he was playing for both both underages like England and Ireland. But look he, I think it was a no brainer for him to go for England, like you're you're guaranteed nearly uh, Europe uh, playing the Euros and the wor- and the World Cup every every two two years, like so um Look, it's 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 up to us, like to for the FBI to step up now and and try and get a um, like a strategy going of of how that we need to start getting producing players, producing better players than than what we have. And um, look, it's obviously only time will tell. And obviously under this new DFI, it'll be interesting to um, to see what what will happen. And with Stephen Kenny there as well. And um, it'll just be very, very interesting to see how how he'll get on now and, um, with these qualifiers. That was Kilkenny's own Mikey Drennan, currently actually playing hurling with James Stevens, the village more commonly known. Next up is Kilkenny's intermediate camogie captain Roisin Phelan, who joins us to discuss the upcoming season. I uh, really can't wait to get back into it now, even just to see all the girls again and just, yeah, to have the crack training and, oh, uh, yeah, no, actually can't wait. <laughs> you you got Wexford on leash coming up in the league next month. Uh, the intermediate camogie team haven't really played a competitive fixture in over a year now, so how is important how important is the league to not just get back out onto the pitch for the team but also kind of lay down a marker ahead of the championship? Yeah, I think it's actually been more important this year than ever, really, I suppose, for us, especially... With the way last year kind of ended for us, that we kind of want to show that we should maybe have competed last year rather than like and second teams weren't allowed. Um, so I think for us, yeah, exactly, to put down a marker and show what we are made of. Um, so I think yeah, the league will be more important than ever this year. Yeah, and like, as you alluded to there, you know, you weren't allowed playing last year's championship due to COVID. It, it, there must be a real hunger amongst the panel then to prove that you're probably going to be the best intermediate team in the county, irrespective of what happened last year. Exactly, yeah. And I think because it has been so long as well that the hunger is definitely there. And I know, I just suppose a number of girls got the opportunity to train maybe with seniors as well. So I think when they saw how well they did last year as well and how far they got, I think that really spurs on even more this year. Yeah, I was going to, like, it, 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 it'll be a really good motivational tool, I'm sure, for, for yourself and the panel. 100%, yeah. When you see like how well the girls did, and you'd be buzzing to get back, like to get to Crow Park yourself and represent your county as well. 
Um, so, yeah, I'm so, really looking forward to it. So from a captain's perspective, which is always to drive the team on, there, there mightn't be as a, as much pressure on you to, to motivate the team with that kind of thought last year of of, of it being cancelled. Yeah, hope, yeah, exactly, you'd hope so. But um, yeah, no, I think because everyone is looking forward to getting back into it because it has been so long. And I think, I suppose now, it's, I suppose over the last while it might have been hard to motivate yourself while you're kind of training by yourself but hopefully now when we get back as a group that will spur us on even more yeah and do you, like have you aim set for yourself then for this season like you mentioned Crow Park there that ultimately that should be the goal of every team that are involved in Camogie or in GEA or uh, in Gaelic football but like is that going to be the aim from the offset or is it just to kind of get a feel for for getting back because as you mentioned there, there it's a long layoff for a year to kind of I know you have about four weeks now to, to get back into the swing of things but like to, to make up for the past year and to make up for the last time is the aim still going in to, to get to Crow Park and, and, and to win something yeah 100% it always is the aim but um, I suppose this year as well maybe more so the games I think we're kind of hoping that they'll be coming thick and fast maybe this year, more so because they're trying to condense it maybe. Um, so I think, yeah, to use the league to try out new players, see how we're going, kind of get build the fitness back up and then, yeah, ultimately aiming for All-Ireland Final in Crow Park. And, and you were captain of a Conaghy side that won the Intermediate Championship last year. That must have been a very special moment to kind of captain your club. As as we talk to all different uh, people involved in, in Camogie or Hurling, it's always the club aspect. Not to say that they don't love their inter-county career, but it's always the club and, and the heartbeat of the club that that is so special to them. So to captain your side to an Intermediate Championship last year must have been a, a severely emotional feeling. Oh yeah, no, um, we had a brilliant year with the club all around last year. I think we lost the final the year before by a point, so I think we had loads of motivation going into that one as well. And I suppose we've been pushing on for a couple of years now, and we've a load of young players coming through, so to actually get over the line was brilliant. And then I think even more so like the under-16s and minor teams backed it up then after the intermediate team won, and they won their respective county finals as well. So I think all around it was just a brilliant year for the club, and yeah, it kind of really inspired me yeah, then to like keep going and push on again. So hopefully now next year we'll be up senior. So that could be a different kettle of fish. Speaking of next season, are you in favour of the split season then between club and county? I am. I actually really enjoyed it last year. I thought it worked out very well because you got to put all your focus, let's say, first with club and then focus entirely then on the county rather than kind of be worried about missing club training because you were training with the county and kind of stuff like that. So I actually, yeah, no, I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, I'd be happy enough with a split season, to be honest. And, and, speaking, it well. and speaking of training, then, uh, the return to training is, is very in, in, imminent. However, like, I, I suppose there's there's been a lot of kind of Zoom calls and a lot of kind of Strava runs that you're going to need to keep up to date. What, what was it like training in, uh, from a personal perspective? Because obviously there needs to be some type of self-discipline. Because when you're in a team... You know, everyone's motivating each other, but to to stay motivated during these times when everything is done from a singular perspective, what was that like for yourself, or could you give us an insight into how the the, the motivation has spread throughout the team despite everybody being apart? Yeah, I think some days were hard to motivate yourself, I suppose, because you might be thinking, oh, sure, if I don't go for that run or if I don't do that gym session, who will know? But then I suppose, yeah, we did start tracking things on Strava, so at least you to 
maybe that kind of held, held a bit more accountable to do the run as such. But um, no, it was good. We kind of, the club set up classes as well for us to do over Zoom. So that kind of kept you ticking over then as well. And I suppose you want to be ready yourself for when training does resume. Um, so that kind of kept you going as well. And that's that, always in the back of your mind. And as a captain, then, is, is the responsibility and onus on yourself then to kind of keep the motivation going as it would be if the team were there in person? Or are you finding that the, the, the girls are able to do it themselves and they, they're they're fully motivated to come back? I think, no, I, everyone is prepared themselves fully motivated, so I didn't have to do too much now. Um, I suppose I didn't find out too early, so <laughs> I couldn't do too much of the time. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. I think everyone, especially I suppose the last two, three weeks when we when we had a date that we were allowed to come back training, that kind of focused the mind a bit more, and it was help, definitely helped with the motivation. All right. And and you're looking at some rule changes now coming into this uh, new season. You know, the hand pass goal is no more. You can't drop the hurley. A player taking a free can't cross a 20-meter line to hit the ball. Minimum contact is now allowed. So lots of different rule changes coming in. But I'd imagine it, it, it's not really going to wholly affect the way you approach games. No, not too much. I think because we were practicing for them. They tried to run them last year. So we had, we even in training, so if we were practicing along with them. But um, I think hopefully now it would make a big difference. Um, should help the game maybe flow a bit more and, yeah, make it a bit more physical and exciting, I think. Yeah, no, looking forward to that. I think it'll definitely be a good addition to the game. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to, to games actually happening as well. And from a local radio perspective, to have some local sports is, is going to be an absolute joy as well. I think I'm, we're all Premier League out of it uh, by the time we come at five o'clock on a Sunday. So it's great to see news is happening, different things are happening and, and a proud moment, no doubt, for yourself getting to represent your county at, uh, as a captain. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think even to be nominated by your club as well is so special. So... I think, yeah, for them to be back in the team as well. So, unbelievable, yeah. Really look forward to it. That was Roisin Fielen, Kilkenny's new intermediate camogie captain. Finally, we have Kilkenny legend Owen Larkin as inter-county teams prepare to start training again. Owen Larkin's going to be on the sidelines, but this time for Wicklow. Well, look, I suppose it was out of the blue for me as well, Shane. It's, it's been in the pipeline for, I'd say, maybe a month or two, two months probably. Um, look, I didn't expect anything to be happening on the inter-county scene when we set this year. But um, the manager down there, Evan Scallon, the former Wexford hurler, gave me a call there you know, maybe about two months ago. And, you know, he, he had an open there. I wanted to fill him, asked me would I be interested in look. I told him he was well aware I was involved with Alan Killen as well, so look, all he wanted was one night really. And um, look, I went back to Alan Killen, I was just the uh, chairman there, and I, I just asked him, I told him I was after being offered, and in fairness to him, he said, look, it could only benefit us as well later on in the year, so, um, you know, I assured him it, it wouldn't affect my commitment to Alan Killen either, so. But look, the way it's after walking out now that the intercounty thing is after opening up before the club thing, it's probably after walking out. Um, probably a bit better because I'll be able to go down there two or three nights um, and get a lot of work done uh, with the lads before the club scene opens up, opens back up. So um, it's probably after working perfectly because I'm mad to get back at um get back on the field and, and get going with something as well. So, um, you know, delighted to be delighted to be involved now with an inter-county team and ready to go on our Tuesday night. And is the main thing here, because you mentioned obviously Wicklow going before uh, Ballon Killen, is that to get a bit more coaching experience under your belt before you begin your role with Ballon Killer later in the year? 
Yeah, well, look, it's a, it's a, it's a chance to get involved in an inter-county set-up and to see the way things are done in there, you know, from a coach and a managerial point of view as well. So, like, obviously, I, I'd be well aware of what's required as a player, but as a coach and a manager, um, to get that experience, you know, it's like I, I really couldn't refuse it, you know, if I, if I wanted to go down this route. And, you know, you might never get the chance again. So, um, But like I said, it's just, it's probably working out Perfectly, that I can go down there for you know however however amount of time it takes for the club scene to open up. I can go down there two or three nights until that does open up, and then obviously it'll be cut back to to, to the one night a week, and you know my commitment to Ballinkillen then will take over. But um, but look, like I said, you know every day is a school day. You know um, I'm going down there to to do the best I can with the players and try and improve them and try and learn as much as I can as well. So. Um, you know that's that's really my thinking behind it, and um, if I can learn something down there, um, you know, with the with the other coaches in the aim and down there as well, you know, it'll be a great benefit to me as well. And obviously, being uh, quite a, a decent forward yourself, to say the least, uh, is your role with the team going to be kind of concentrated on a specific area of the pitch, or are you looking at the whole team in general? Ah, well, look, it, obviously, you know, as a, as a former forward as well, it'll probably be a lot of uh, kind of forward play as well. But look, it's just overall, um, it's going to just be a coaching role for the whole team mainly, I suppose. But you know, obviously, there will be there will be things that you know that I'll try to implement within the forward setup as well, and you know, movement and taking scores and all that kind of stuff. Um, and look, the work rate that has to come from forwards as well is, is a huge part of it as well. So. They're just a few of the topics I suppose I'll be trying to implement down there, trying to get the players to heads around um, when I go down and choose even. And Wicklow in itself, you know, it's not traditionally a big hurling county. Would you be fairly familiar, I'd say, with the players that you're going to be coaching? Or are you coming into it a bit cold and maybe not knowing a lot of people? Or um, Eamon Scanlon kind of giving you a bit of a, a rundown on the lads before you get up there? Yeah, look, I, I, I'm going into it totally cold. I, you know, I'll be totally honest, but I don't know a whole lot about even the club scene down there um, or the inter-county um, team. But look, Eamon has assured me he's a bunch of players down there that are totally committed and they're willing to, to they're willing to work hard and try and improve. And like that's all you can ask for. You know, you could be in Kilkenny and you might get that uh, from, from certain teams. So, look, the, the lads seem to be relishing the the chance to get back on the field, you know, I know they've been doing their own stuff and Eamon has been on Zoom meetings with them and things like that and they've been working away on their own and, you know, they have been really putting in a huge effort on their own as well, which is a hard thing to do when you've, you know, at the, at the time they didn't have a, a kind of end in sight or a date that they were going to come back, so it's hard, it's hard to try to keep yourself motivated, but, you know, they seem to have, you know, knuckled down and, and done the work required and, you know, going, going in Tuesday now, I'll, I'll be going in a bit cold, but look, um, it won't take me long to, to, I suppose, get my feet under the table and, and suss things out and, and see where we'll try to, try to improve. And, and, and speaking of the work required, like you were involved in one of the greatest hurling teams of all time. And with that then comes certain characteristics that you need to have to make it a successful hurling team. Is there, like with Wiglow not being uh, renowned for hurling, is there like leeway when you're coming into it going, like the, the lads mightn't be the standard of what I previously played with or are you going in there saying these are the standards that we have to reach and then you're going to expect them to make a step up I know you're kind of going in cold and it's going to be a bit apprehensive at first but are, are, are you looking to kind of implement things that you've learned throughout your career and 
making them kind of reach that same standard or would there be a bit of leeway involved? Oh, well, absolutely. Look, look, we'd all, we'd all love to, be, to, to reach the standard that, you know, Kilkenny reached over the past probably decade or that, but like I'm under no illusions uh, going down there as well. You know, my my job just going down there will be to try and make them the best they possibly can be and, you know, try and, try and raise their standards as much as they possibly can. And, you know, I'm not comparing them to... I'm not going to compare standards between Kilkenny and Wicklow at all, you know, because obviously they are different standards and they're in different competitions and things like that. And, you know, like like I say, I don't really know a whole lot about the club scene down there and the way it's ran or anything like that. But like, I do know that the Wicklow County Board are, are fully supportive of the Hurling team down there and, you know, anything they've asked for, they've, they've given as well. So, um, so look, the, like the Wicklow County Board are, are trying to improve things down there and, you know, I, I, like I say, I don't think it's fair to compare standards. If I can just make them the best possible um, players and, and, you know, I suppose the skill set, if we can raise that to the best possible um, standard that, that they can achieve, well, that's, that'll be a good day's work, I suppose. And recently, the last time we caught up was a few months ago, and it was just when you announced as the Ballon Killen manager, and you said that you knew bits and bobs about them. Obviously, now a few months in, you haven't seen them play, but you may have become more accustomed to to the club scene in, in Carlow or the lads that you're actually training with. How has that been going? Is it is it Zoom meetings and stuff like that that you're still involved in, or it, it, has there been much of a chance to get to know them? Yeah, there hasn't been much of a chance, to be honest. Um, you know, obviously all training and, and pods and all that kind of stuff was, was restricted so it was basically um, training on your own which is hard um, to motivate to get motivated to, to do as well but like we put a, f- a few challenges in place for the lads um, to do over lockdown and things like that and in fairness to them they've responded you know all the indications back to us are that they, they put in a savage savage effort and just can't wait to get back on the field um, we didn't have too many Zoom. We didn't have any Zoom meetings. We just kept in contact on the on the WhatsApp group and things things like that. And we left them to the to their own devices. Kind of. We didn't want to be. It's going to be. Um, it's going to be. A, it is after being a long enough year. We didn't want to be kind of putting any undue pressure on them either. But you know, they've responded to a couple of things that we have done, and and they're, they're after putting in a huge effort. So um, look, like I said, everybody just wants to get back on the field now and and get going. And unfortunately for the club there. It's probably going to be another month, maybe six weeks before they do get back. But look, we're just looking, we're just looking forward to getting back together and and, and getting going for the for the coming season. But um, look, I'm, uh, first and foremost, I'm looking forward to going down here Tuesday night and getting back on the field myself. And hopefully, in the not too distant future, um, all the all the hurling will be opened up and and we can move forward with Ballon Killing as well. Well, Owen, thanks very much for your time. I know it's going to be fairly uh, precious uh, being a new father and then taking on the the inter-county stuff with Wicklow and then the club stuff at Ballinkillen and Carlow. So thank you very much for taking the time of day. I'll leave you with one question, though. You had the book Camouflage. You had the Lock uh, Gale documentary on TG4. Who's going to play on Larkin in the inevitable movie of your life coming out from Hollywood in, in the next few years? Well, I don't know, Shane. I don't know. I don't know. Is anyone capable of playing me in that? <laughs> or would anyone want to play me in it? But look, um, look, I'm delighted with, with with the way things worked out. The, the book and the Lacker Yale. But I can't see a movie. I can't see a movie producer coming to me looking to make a movie. <laughs> but 
Look, we'll, we'll try and talk numbers. If, if someone wants to do it, we'll talk numbers and see where we go from there. Yeah, Brad Pitt may be interested. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> that was Kilkenny Hurling legend Owen Larkin, and that's it for Scoreline Extra this week. If you like what you hear, you can dip into the archives and listen to some of the interviews that we've held over the past few months. If GEA is your thing, we have the Clash Act podcast where we deep dive into the careers of some of the GEA's best-known personalities. The Knock On podcast focuses on rugby where former Leinster captain Chris Pym and KCLR Scoreline's head of sports Stephen Byrne. If you're into your MMA, Ken Maguire and Miles Price got you covered. Or if you're into gaming and soccer, the Football Manager Football Show as presented by Ken Maguire and myself, Shane O'Keefe. All available on the KCLR app, scoreline.ie, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Anywhere, basically, you do your podcast listening. That's it for now. You can tune in live on KCLR from 2 to 6 every Saturday and Sunday for Scoreline. But don't worry if you miss out, because we've got you covered right here on Scoreline Extra.